0: Welcome back at it to the Life and Red podcast. We're lifeinredpodcast.com, at Life and Red podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and Life and Red pod on the Twitter. Uh, my, my guest today, um, one. there's a few things I love doing this podcast. I think I always open it up when I talk about a new guest, um, but reconnecting with people after it's been a long time. So uh, my guest, uh, we went to high school. She was a year above me, but... Uh, And that was over a decade ago, which seems wild to me uh, because I don't feel old at all. In my mind, I'm still 21. Um, And then, like I always say, it's learning about things that I never thought really I'd learn about. Um, And especially with my dating history, for whatever reason, I always seem to get into relationships with uh, women who don't want kids, which is totally fine. uh, But it's made me question if I'm ever going to have kids of my own. So this whole episode is about pregnancy and it's about uh, kind of like the birthing process and uh, learned so much because you really only get a pop culture sense. if you haven't been through it yourself or had someone um, really, really close to you go through that uh, and obviously the movies don't share the whole story. So it was awesome to get into that and not only the birthing but, you know, postpartum um, and – also leading up to it the whole nine months. Um, she has a podcast. It's called Pregnancy Prep, which is a, a great resource for uh, parents. And more specifically, the non-birthing partner who is uh, going to be you know, involved because sometimes they don't always take it as seriously because they're not involved intimately. So we get into a lot of that, what to expect. Um, she's an RMT. She's a doula in her, like I said, her podcast, Pregnancy Prep. Go check that out. Uh, please give it up for my guest today, Ainsley Kirkpatrick.
1: You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you
0: how deep the rabbit hole goes. Welcome to Wonderland it been ten years since I've seen this uh, person, and I'm very happy to be connected. Thanks to our mutual uh, m- m- second mother, uh, Ainsley. Thank you, <laughs> and, and nice to see you again. Nice to see you as well. So, you know, ten years is a short amount of time, but it's also, uh, I guess, a long amount of time. A lot of things have happened since we were in high school together. What have you been up to? Like, w- where are you at now? What's what's going on with life?
1: So right after high school, I ended up going to Sir Sanford Founding College in Peterborough, and I became a registered massage therapist, and I still do that now. I'm still a massage therapist. I've worked in Carlton Place, Kanata, Spitzville, Um, but recently I've moved back to Carlton Place and kind of moved my whole practice solely to Carlton Place, Um, and then in 2016, I kind of stumbled into becoming a birth worker, so I became a birth and postpartum doula.
0: How do you, how does one stumble into that profession?
1: <laughs> it truly was a mistake. I, I was on Facebook and I've always loved babies. Like I'm always the person or the cousin or the whoever in the group who's like, I'll hold them. <laughs> Me. <laughs> um, and when you're a massage therapist, you have to do continuing education units. It has since slightly changed. But at that time, you had to have like different categories. Um. So it couldn't be like used to do 60 hours of yoga like it had to be some of it was educational some of it related directly to anatomy some of it had to be business and I thought on Facebook that I had seen um, like a pregnancy massage webinar which wouldn't be that weird because I think that Facebook has thought I've been pregnant for like 12 years because (laughs) of everything that I'm always googling um so I clicked it and I went in and I did the thing where like so you can see them and hear them, but they can only see what you're typing in the message box. You're not on screen. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hi, I'm Ainsley, I'm from Ottawa. And they said, hi Ainsley from Ottawa, and then had like a whole dialogue about a birth center that was here. So like kind of focused in on me and my name and said it more than once. And then within like five minutes, I realized it was not about prenatal massage. Like it had nothing to do with massage. <laughs> That they were explaining what doulas were and trying to like market their business. I was like, oh, no. Oh,
0: what well, obviously it worked.
1: not what I thought it was. <laughs> and I'm now trapped because I'm such an anxious person and such a people pleaser. I was like, they've said my name. Clearly, <laughs> they'll know if I leave.
0: I <laughs> yeah, can't fail So know. I just stayed
1: for the whole thing. I had no idea. I'd never heard of what a doula was in my life before. And then I just came downstairs to my boyfriend, but my now husband. And I was like, I'm going to be a doula. And he was like, no idea what that is. Great. On board.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's important because a lot of, like, I've heard the term in pop culture, you know, in in movies. Mm -hmm. and. But I think, at least for me initially, there was definitely a perception around it that it was, like, sort of like, and, and I'll get you to explain it, but, like, either a spiritual guide for it. Or that it was like something very like hippie like, like like I was
1: gonna say hippie dippy is the word Yeah, like <laughs> women
0: would get one because they wanted to have a home birth in the pool, you know, like so it
1: Yeah what what exactly is that?
0: Yeah, so what is a, a doula?
1: So they are somebody who helps you through pregnancy, labor and delivery and the postpartum period, but they're not the person catching the baby. Like you would still have a midwife or an OBGYN if that's what you wanted. Um, and so actually all of the births that I've participated in, they've all been in the hospital. So it's not like a, a water birth, spiritual hippy-dippy thing. It doesn't have to be that. It can be if that's what you want. If you want to have a home birth and you want that extra support for both you and your partner, if you have one, that's great. But where doula really comes in handy is when you were hoping for a little bit of a more natural experience, but you have to be in the hospital. Okay. So like if somebody had high blood pressure or if somebody was at high risk for something or if they just had really nervous family and the family didn't want them to be at home, so they decide to have a hospital birth, then you have a doula. Because when you're having a baby, um, the doctors and the nurses, they're in and out of that room. They don't stay with you. And it could be like a 36-hour process. You could be alone with your partner for a lot of that. And if you don't have somebody, you could be alone alone. A doula doesn't leave. They're there.
0: Right. Right. So kind I mean, of I like, go to the
1: bathroom and I eat, but <laughs> yeah.
0: So is that. it like, kind of like a, a coach kind of, uh, kind of, yeah. Take, so take me a little bit through the process. Like someone is pregnant, they come to meet with you. What sorts of things are you talking about? What sorts of things are you going to work on with them as the pregnancy comes to, you know, from start to finish?
1: So I have a couple different packages, but let's just say they pick like the highest package. They've already picked me. We've had a consultation and talked and I'm hired. The first thing we'll do is we'll do the first prenatal visit and then there'll be just for like ease. Let's pretend that this is a married couple and it's a man and a woman, just so I can be comfortable using those terms, but I'm not excluding anyone. That's Mm -hmm. just the example. Mm -hmm. Um, I go meet with the husband and wife in their house and we go over what their thoughts were what they wanted did they want a home birth did they want a water birth are they going with a midwife do they have a doctor we go over all of those things so that i have all the information we need and we do like a little bit of health history and then we'll talk about what the phases and stages of labor are what are ways that we can help reduce pain without using medication if you're going to use the medication in the hospital, I go over what the hospital offers, what the side effects are on you, what the side effects are on the baby, how long they last. We go over something that could happen. Like I go over what a C-section is and how it happens. I go over forceps, vacuums, all of the different things that might be used to help get a baby out so that if it happens and it's really scary in the moment, you already know about it. You're like, Ainsley told me about that. That's the vacuum. It's nothing to be afraid of. Or if the doctors come in and they're starting to use certain terms and talking about certain medicines, Ainsley's already told me what Pitocin is. I know I don't want it. So I can say no. So when the actual birth happens, I'm on like the healthcare team. So I would never like stand in front of a mom and be like, no doctor, you're not allowed to do that. But I've helped the parents understand what's going to happen and what is important to them because they might not know what's important to them. They don't know all the options. They've now been educated. They know what's important to them and they feel empowered to say no to the doctor if they want to. It wouldn't be me in the birth
0: room doing that. Right. Yeah, I I, I mean, I, I could only imagine how much of an overwhelming process, you know, all of that is, especially for new parents who wouldn't, mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you go in and maybe did a little bit of research, but you don't really research the birth. I, like, I think a lot of people yeah. have this very weird idea of what that experience is like but yeah when they're coming in throwing mm-hmm. jargon at you and you're just like "It was a baby coming of me like I don't know yeah. like yes yeah. sure whatever just take it away
1: and especially for partners like I, I did know this through all my uh, years of training but the third birth that I helped with was my very best friend my childhood best friend I grew up beside her um, and her husband was in the American military and so he was like on his way from America so she went into labor and we were like she's in labor try to get here um so for like 17 hours of that birth I was the only person in the room so it didn't feel like I was her doula at that point it felt much more like I would imagine it would feel if you're the other parent like if you're the dad or if you're the mom or whatever and so there were moments where she was in so much pain and she was kind of like whimpering and being like, hey, please help me. And I was like, oh, my God, somebody just take all my money and make this stop. Holy shit. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> so it could be really overwhelming for, again, if you go back to that example of just like a, a husband and a wife, a husband seeing his wife in that much pain for the very first time and literally being helpless to stop it. It's terrifying. It's
0: I terrifying. can imagine. <laughs> yeah um so i i obviously will we'll talk about the the aspect of of the woman but i do want to talk a little bit about the man because this is something i don't i've never been in this position but sometimes it doesn't seem like a lot of men at least my perception that they truly educate themselves on this process and then once it happens you know you you have the cliches about being pregnant but then like once it happens and then like a little bit after like i've started to get familiar with terms you know me being in the mental health realm of you know men just being like in this terrible space once the baby's born because you're you're having you know you're burnt out you're not sleeping you still have to sort of you know go to work or or do other things if you haven't taken paternal leave so like what do you work with men maybe a little more specifically is that something that becomes more focused on because it's it seems like one of those things as a culture and as a society we we put the onus pretty much all on the woman in, ter- in terms mm-hmm. of baby raising and, and getting through that process.
1: Yeah. So the next part of what I do is the postpartum care. So just kind of skipping over labor. Um, it wouldn't be immediate. It could be in the next couple of days or the next couple of weeks, but I come in and I help out. I do four hour long shifts. So, sorry, that sounded incorrect. I do four hour long shifts. So I'm there and I can do as many as you need me to do, but I'll be there for four hours in your house and I can help with laundry. I can help with organizing your nursery. I can help with meal prep. I can clean. I can literally just hold the baby. So the mom and dad can go have a nap and have a shower guilt-free knowing that somebody has the baby and the baby is safe. Um, And when you're doing those postpartum visits, it is really important to look at both partners, to look at the mom and the dad, if that's the, the, couple situation that Mm -hmm. you're dealing with Um, because it is it's really overwhelming and like obviously I think a lot of uh, emphasis should be on the mom because her hormones are completely out of whack she's exhausted Uh, in a lot of cases literally her body is what's keeping the baby alive because she's breastfeeding (laughs) Um, but because of that because it is such an important focus the partners do kind of get put to the wayside and so my idea with this podcast and my idea with of the future projects that i'm working on is for the partners because i know a lot of again i'm not trying to stereotype but like a lot of men don't want to read all the books and they don't they're not as connected with the pregnancy during the whole nine months as the mom is the mom can feel it the mom's connected right away um but the dads are like we have lots of time like i can read the book later and so my podcast is like 15 to 20 minutes long hopefully just enough to get their attention to give them the information that they really need so that they can be helpful and that they can get adequate rest and be prepared.
0: Right. What's, so what your podcast is called?
1: The Pregnancy Prep Podcast.
0: Interesting. And I find it so fascinating now in the, in the world that we kind of live in is how we, you know, you, you take something like pregnancy and, and being a doula in this process and you can kind of put it into content for for people and offer it in a platform that's easy to digest and e- and easy to, you know, like you said, like you only put in 15, 20 minutes. So it's like, okay, guy, you can't read a 300 page book, but God, you can listen to a 15 minute podcast yeah. once a week. Come on.
1: Like how long do you poop? Like just put it
0: on. <laughs> yeah. You can do this. <laughs> what, you know, cause obviously you don't come from a broadcasting background or, and I don't know if you're no. a huge podcasting fan, but like what really pushed you to this podcast idea? And was it like something like you just, you're sitting with these couples and men, you're just like, Oh my God, like, <laughs> obviously we, I need to help them out more. Cause this is not happening. Like, where was this, this shift for you?
1: I just talk so much and I wanted to force <laughs> people to listen. Um, no, I, uh, there were, there were so many podcasts that were really helpful to me as a birth worker and as a woman who one day might become pregnant and be a mom. Um, and there was nothing. For the men like it, it just was really natural there was no like i need to help the men moment it was just like oh this is what i'm passionate about i really like the education part of stuff and the men seem to be the people who would benefit from that education because the women are seeking it out themselves and again i don't want to only single out men like this could be a lesbian partner as well like just the non birthing parent mm-hmm They tend to, again, not be connected to the pregnancy. So they're not seeking out all of that information. So I wanted to make it easy and accessible. And at the start of this pandemic, because I'm a massage therapist, like I couldn't work.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) And we had just, like, I mean, just days moved into our very first house. It was a brand new build. So I had like no deep cleaning that needed to be done. It was a brand new house. We... Wanted to make sure we could afford a mortgage payment on one salary. So we weren't painting, we weren't buying a couch, we weren't getting a kitchen table. I was just sitting in a white box, a beautiful white box, which I was very grateful to have gotten <laughs> into. But I was like, I, there's nothing to do. I can't massage people. It's not a job that I can do from home. There's no way that I could make massage therapy a job that I'm doing virtually. Um, and then, yeah, doulas weren't allowed in the hospital anymore because there was an overrun of people in the hospitals. Man, I can't do anything. I got to figure out a way to move this online.
0: <laughs> uh, that's I, I love how people pivot and it's how this pandemic has maybe forced some people out of their comfort zone and, and mm-hmm. tried things like this because it's, it's yeah. going to be very helpful. Uh, I hope it, so. Cause it's brand, it's like pretty much brand new, right? You only have a couple episodes yeah. out at this point.
1: Yeah. There's only that. three out right now. Okay. I actually cheated a little bit. So I, I released a bunch this summer. I had seven that I released, never told anyone, did not advertise it, didn't do anything. I was just trying to, like, see if this was something I could do. And, like, people were actually listening. Like, I was getting feedback from strangers. I even got feedback from somebody who went to CPHS and went to Arcland. And in one of the episodes, I think it's, like, the fifth episode, I accidentally say, I'm Ainsley Gardner. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm Ainsley Kirkpatrick. (laughs) That is not my name anymore. And I don't know how to edit. So I left it in and she found me and messaged me. And she was like, I've listened for five episodes and had no idea it was you.
0: (laughs) Such a small world. That's that's awesome.
1: But what I was finding was I wasn't able to do it weekly. Well, like I was just lazy and not doing it weekly. (laughs) Um, And what I kept thinking was like, at one day, I will just sit down and I'll record like seven episodes and then I'll have them in the bank and that'll make it easier. And I just, I just never did that. Mm. <laughs> Even though I had nothing but time, I never did it. So what I ended up doing was I unpublished all of the episodes I had, took them off the air, and I'm now releasing them one at a time as I record more. So now okay. I have stuff in
0: the bank. <laughs> Interesting. I'm not, I'm not a person who usually has stuff in the bank either. I usually record and then release it the next week. And I procrastinate just like you. And <laughs> I won't edit anything until like the day it's coming out. I'm like, oh, why did I do that? I had a whole week to do stuff. And you know, great if
1: I don't edit like I don't know how I just oh, sit in fair. a closet and talk for 15 minutes listen back and I'm like it worked
0: that's the great thing about <laughs> podcasts so you can be authentic and people don't really care for the most part about stumps yeah. and bumbles and and you know yeah. I, see, I just did it. I was gonna say and saying you know and then I just said you know before I said it it's one of the great things I did want to touch on uh, because you referenced it a couple times with uh, being a doula, but not having the traditional male-female dynamic as parents. we live. I mean, we're from a small town just outside of Ottawa. So, I mean, diversity was never really the town's calling card. i reference referenced it a lot no. on this podcast for many reasons. But I'm wondering now in your experience, as we've grown older, the town has really started to expand pretty drastically. And you also have, you know, Elmont and getting bigger and, and other towns like that. Are you dealing more with maybe uh, same-sex couples, maybe uh, transgender parent, uh, people wanting to be parents? Um, like, Is that is something that maybe is starting to boom in this? So first,
1: I want to say I went through your podcast and found a bunch that I wanted to listen to. I, I found like... Um, One on addiction and one on uh, multiple personality disorders. But then I found Austin's and Riley's and I was like, I know these people. I'm going (laughs) to listen to those ones. And I laughed out loud. And my husband was like, what are you listening to? When you were talking with Austin about Carlton Place being so small. And one of you was like, I mean, we didn't even have sushi. (laughs) I was like, dude, we still don't have sushi. Yeah.
0: You
1: have an Indian restaurant though. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. So good. I love their butter. chicken. Anyway. Um, So I'm not seeing it a ton, definitely um, more lesbian couples who have children, but I was not a part of their journey through pregnancy as a doula, just as a massage therapist. Um, But I was incredibly, incredibly lucky. The program that I took when I became a doula, and I've taken other programs with them since that, um, are very, they're in Toronto, and they're like very inclusive, and they're really careful about their language. One of the founders is a lesbian. They do deal with transgendered people. They deal with multiple races. And so they are so careful with their language. And it just made me want like from the very beginning to be really careful with my language because I'm hoping I can deal with lots of different couples and lots of different situations. That would be great because they need support too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, I know nothing about it, but there was the story of transgender couple, but uh, the man was giving birth and it got a lot of people... um, very up and on that's that's not what I want to get into but I think yeah. it's important that these programs and you know people like yourself who are in this line of work are opening themselves up to this this idea of inclusivity because yeah. you know sometimes with doctors and you know you're going to experience probably some discrimination with that and a doula would be I think would be a perfect person to be in that corner yes yeah because you have you know them, you, you've you understood their plan and yeah. can be that mediator between.
1: And there's already enough going on with labor. Like there's pain involved. It can be scary. Like they don't need to have an extra layer in a healthcare system feeling discriminated against. So yeah, Adula doula would be great for those people because again, she is, she's in your corner. She's there to help and she's there to help you get like the birth story that you want. I mean, as much as possible, obviously, like birth is unpredictable, but (laughs) it shouldn't, it should be like the birth that's unpredictable and not
0: your healthcare staff. Like you should be able to rely on them. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Like when you are meeting with um, people and, and going through the consultation and discussing options, are you typically dealing with like more first time parents? Because that's the nervous thing. Yeah. And maybe like once you kind of have the kid, you're like, I mostly understand it now and, and can yeah. go with two, three, four, five.
1: Yeah, it's all of the births that I've been a part of. All of the people who have contacted me are first time parents.
0: Right. Would you say it's younger, too? Because I'm just trying to like I don't know how popular this type of work was, you know, bef- before. I don't know, society got a little bit more open to other ideas. Like, was it, was, how long aligned is like, do, do doulas really go back? Is well, it a yeah. long time profession?
1: So birth is a funny thing. Like the whole process of birth. Doulas have been around literally forever. Like absolutely forever. Um, birth kind of took a weird trajectory. Cause it was like something that women did that was safe. That's, like, literally how the earth got populated. (laughs) Um, So, like, without medicine, without any intervention, it was something that just from the beginning of time, we knew how to do. And having, like, a woman in your tribe or a woman in your village or a woman in your surroundings who helped with it since the beginning of time. Doula is literally, like, a Greek word, woman who serves. So it's not a new thing at all. But then medical interventions kind of came to be a thing and like there was a part of our history that's not that far in the past that like women were literally not unconscious like they were not awake during the birth Oof. because people were like well why if we don't want them to be in pain we have all this medicine we're so smart now <laughs> why don't we just make sure that they don't feel anything and what we're finding out now as midwives and doulas become big again, is that it's not this hippy dippy thing. It's not this this silly, you know, like earth type thing. It's the way that we can make sure that moms and babies can bond and parents and babies can bond and birth doesn't have to be this really scary, really painful thing. There are ways to get through it that our body just knows. Hmm. So it seems like it's kind of a new thing, but it's like the oldest
0: thing in the world. (laughs) I read, and again, this is the internet, so I have no idea. And I do this all the time. I'm like, I read this thing where, and I have no idea if it's true, but that giving birth is, it was either the second or third most painful experience a human can experience. Uh, And the first was being burned alive, which is like, oh my God, you're (laughs) comparing those two. What the hell?
1: Yeah, great. But you just kind of mentioned
0: um, that you can get through it I mean I'm not gonna say pain free, but make it more manageable like is this
1: I don't think that it's realistic to say that you can get through it pain free mm-hmm. but I feel like it's very realistic to say that you can get through it trauma free like you could you could be in pain without suffering knowing that there's an end to it knowing that this is not a scary thing, knowing that you're in a safe place in safe hands and that millions and millions and millions of people have done this. And I don't mean being knocked out because of medication, like we just discussed, but like if a mom just happened to like be unconscious, the baby could still be born. Like the uterus will still push that baby out. And the baby does not require a doctor to pull it out. The baby can do its turn and wiggle out like a little baby mermaid all on its own. Mm -hmm. So knowing that your body can do this without you does help to bring down that panic. And then you can do it without trauma. It's not going to be pain free. It's, it's a small space and a big head, but
0: yeah. Well, yeah. I, 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 uh, I just got a TikTok not long ago. And one of the first things I saw was like this woman's reaction to like a, um, it was a dummy, like a fake birth, but like kind of like what it looked yeah. like down there and like the head. And I was like,
1: yeah you know what's wild is like i'm a female i have female parts i have seen like the video that like our grade 10 science teacher would have shown us and like i was gonna say his name and then i didn't (laughs) um and then um like i've seen all of that and i've seen movies first time i saw an actual baby coming out of a woman i was like what the hell what (laughs) it's turning her inside out like it's very shocking to see. So again, if you're educated and you know what's about to happen, it's so much easier to handle that stuff.
0: Right. I did want to also so, I should
1: mention I think it's beautiful and it was like the most magical experience of <laughs> my whole life
0: and I cried. It was great. <laughs> I did wanna because I've never heard um the, the word kind of trauma being linked to this. When you when you say that obviously there's physical trauma you know your body just went through a very physical ordeal is yeah. is mental trauma uh, something that happens with birth because I've never heard yeah. that association before
1: oh yeah I mean huh. it's not something I'm like a expert on so I, I don't want to like speak too much to it because I think that somebody else might have a little bit more knowledge than I do but there's so many different facets that trauma could affect mentally a woman during labor. Um, And just like one avenue of that is, so let's say you do get the epidural, the idea that you now have the epidural and you're no longer in pain and then having like the whole staff and your partner ignore you. Like I've heard stories of women getting the epidural, not wanting the epidural, wanting to have done it naturally because in their own head they thought like it's like this badge of honor. I'm a woman. I can do this naturally. That gets taken from her. So she has grief about that. She doesn't get the process she wants. Now she has the epidural. Doctors and nurses aren't checking on her as much because they think she's not in pain. And then the husband's just like watching the hockey game and like literally not paying attention to her. So she's just like abandoned, grieving the loss of like the birth she wanted and like still in pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like obviously the epidural helps a little bit. like. Still in pain, like there, there can be a lot of trauma associated with it. A lot of doctors or healthcare providers, like just not listening to your wishes and doing episiotomies, um, like just things without your consent. It can leave women feeling emotionally wrecked.
0: Right. Okay. And
1: like, so many hormones going on. Like you're just, you're not in control of that situation at all. You are out of control of that situation.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I guess for doctors and healthcare, I mean, I'm not going to paint them all with a brush, but for them, it's just another typical medical procedure that they're just, you know, yeah. going through the motions. They're not always thinking about, you know, and I do want to touch on that because that's something that's kind of interesting. Is there maybe a reason why some people feel so strongly about this, this birth plan? Like you referenced it a couple of times by, by saying, you know, you know, Uh, and you hear it a lot women want the natural birth as that badge of honor like is it what's the dynamic of feeling so passionately about like your birth plan and and wanting it to work out a certain way is is there psychology behind that or reasons so I want
1: to be very clear (laughs) I think there's a perception that there's a badge of honor there absolutely isn't you have your baby the way you want to have your baby okay (laughs) any women who are listening to this any women who have like had an epidural or had a C-section, there is no actual vaginal honor. It's just something that is perceived. You have your babies the way you want to have your babies. You're all fucking rock stars. <laughs> Jeez, are we allowed to swear? I've done it like three times. Oh again. yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, great. Perfect. Um, but I think when women start educating themselves and they do a bunch of research about the fact that kind of the medical field took over labor and delivery from us and they realize they they start seeing that it's just like beautiful, natural, amazing moment. And you can have all of these bonding moments that are like, so, 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 so good for your babies. Um, they start to want that. They start to want to like screw the patriarchy, screw the medicine and like do it the way their bodies were designed to do it. And you know what, literally sometimes that is just not an option. And like way back in the day, those moms and potentially those babies wouldn't have made it. So if we have the medical intervention and we can save them, then we should. (laughs) Um, But I think that they just get really, the more you get into it, the more you study, it really is quite magical. Like the bonding and all of the hormones and all the amazing things that can happen just on their own without medicine. So I think that that's what women are striving for. That's why they get so attached to these plans, when I'm talking with my clients, I always say like, whatever you want to do, I'm supporting you. If you go in there and you know you want a C-section like scheduled right away, I'll still help you. If you know that you want an epidural like in the parking lot, I'm here for it. I'll make sure the drugs are there. Uh, if you want to not use drugs, then I'll make sure nobody offers you drugs until you say our code word and you say pineapple and then I'm you know, out the door finding that anesthesiologist. But it is quite incredible the things that can happen without all that medicine. So I I do get why people want to hold on to these like ideals that they've made in their head to their perfect birth.
0: Right. But I would
1: tell anyone who's pregnant, who's making a birth plan, like your birth plan should just be very Mm flexible, because it'll make that moment harder. If you do end up having to have medical intervention, it won't just be having to have forceps or vacuum or something like that used. It'll be grieving losing this like, idealistic natural birth that you've been picturing we so have
0: to be flexible right which goes into that conversation we just had about you know the mental trauma of, of birth like when you get attached yeah. to that this is how it has to happen no 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 you know yeah. that's where you can really get into some trouble mentally I And mean, emotionally so you
1: can't control what happens after like if baby's having a little bit of trouble breathing if there's something that wasn't picked up in all of the ultrasounds and stuff like something with the baby's heart or digestion like that can be really traumatic for both parents as well, like having a baby just taken from them. Right. Um, which man, I have loved ones and friends during um, COVID who are like down closer to the Toronto area, who their baby had some trouble and she was taken um, to Sick Kids in Toronto, and they were like an hour away from there. Baby was just taken, and they had to wait for the mom to get discharged and like be okay. There's like markers that you have to hit to be able to leave the hospital before they were even allowed to get themselves to Toronto they finally got themselves to Toronto had to like get a hotel to stay in and everything and only one parent because of COVID only one person was allowed to go in at a time so like they couldn't even go see their child together like it was it can be very traumatic
0: that would you know possibly be one of the hardest things I think you could ever deal with as a human really
1: yeah like I could just picture my poor friend like the mom went in first um, my poor friend like I know he didn't go back to the hotel like he's just standing in the streets of Toronto like, waiting I just felt so bad That that's there's so many ways it could be traumatic that I can't possibly even attempt to explain it
0: yeah no but that that makes a lot of sense um when when you're meeting with a new new couple whatever they are let's start with the woman you know what are like the top three things in your mind that you're going into and you're like okay like these are the, like i know you probably have a long list it might be hard to narrow down top three but what, what are like the top three things like you're gonna need to know about being pregnant and leading up to this whole process and maybe even a little bit after like what are those things like new parents like you're like and you need for the this. birthing parent yeah you can do this okay <laughs>
1: this has been <laughs> happening forever um I always joke, it's like not a great joke, but it does tend to calm people down. I'm like, think about the idiots that we know that have had babies <laughs> and survived, okay? Like, you can do this. It doesn't even have to be, like, people we know. I'm just like, think of the world. <laughs> like, think about all these people have done it. Like, I know that you can do this. So no matter how afraid you are, no matter how nervous you are, like, you've got this. Number two, hormones are a real thing. <laughs> like, when you're feeling out of control when you're crying for no reason when you are feeling like after the baby comes when you're feeling like sad or anxious it's not you like there is so much science behind this that's why Mm. i'm here that's why we've educated your partner to watch out for things like you're not out of control you're not losing your mind hormones are a real thing. Um, so you can do this. Hormones are a real thing. Follow your instincts. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Why would you say that? That's interesting.
1: Um, well, not only just for labor, but like, I think that's the first time that it's going to start to happen. And then through pregnancy, through the actual delivery and then through, um, postpartum, you're going to get a lot of advice from a lot of people your mom, your in-laws, your best friend, your big sister, your doctor, um, and of course your medical health professionals. Like that is something you should be listening to, but you should also do your own research. You should also do what feels right for you. So if everyone in your neighborhood did sleep training, but you don't think that that works for you and you don't want to let them cry it out, don't let them cry it out. If you want to wear them all the time, wear them all the time. If you want to have your baby sleep in your bed, do the research. Make sure you're doing it safely. Have them sleep in your bed. If you want to breastfeed, breastfeed. If you want to bottle feed, bottle feed. Like, there are so many different options. You cannot let other people's opinions shame you into doing anything. As long as it is safe and okay for you and your baby, and you have reason to believe because you've done the research that it's safe and okay for you and your baby, do that. No guilt.
0: That, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we're at the age now where... It still feels weird, but like now it's like okay, cool. it's normal. People are having kids. Like it's not like oh my god she's pregnant. It's like oh yeah. she's pregnant. Like
1: you're like oh congratulations. Yeah, not like now. oh I'm oh, so wow. sorry. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, you know I I follow a couple of friends you went to high school with, and and some of them were actually quite vocal about kind of this whole process and and giving birth, and some of them are even on their second child. But one thing I've noticed from them, these women in particular, that we know mutually that I, I see the issue of breastfeeding come up a lot, and there seems to be a very big—I don't know if it, I don't even know if it's a debate, but the, there's a, a lot of stigma and stuff and, and shame when a woman can't breastfeed and they have to bottle feed, and, and so much guilt. Is that something that is really kind of uh, they women struggle with in, in yeah, terms of breastfeeding?
1: That's a huge one because it. For some reason more than anything else because like i keep saying like our bodies are built for this they're made for this they can do this for some reason like you have to remind women that their bodies are like made to have the pregnancy bear the children and birth the children you always have to remind them that like your body is made for that you can do that yet the only thing that media and other people seem to glom onto is that breastfeeding should be natural it should be the only thing that your body can do it's so hard it is mm-hmm. so hard because it's not just your body it's also a baby um so you have to make sure that like you can latch that you're producing um not only that there's not like a gauge on the side of a woman's breastfeeding like six ounces has now been emptied so women who are breastfeeding their very first child for the very first time are like i don't know if they're getting anything like i don't know they're still crying are they crying because they're hungry like again it's such a mental like it's so hard Mm. (laughs) so I don't know where all the stigma comes from. I don't know why there's this war of like, do this, do this. This is better. This is better for your baby. Like as long as your baby is being fed and they're getting the nutrients that they need, that should be the only thing that's important. But if you've done all this research, if financially breastfeeding is easier for you, if you want that bonding and it's this thing that you've really put like a lot of thought into it can be so upsetting to have like pain discomfort trouble getting the baby to latch um and on top of all of that you're exhausted your hormones are crazy and the baby could be crying the whole entire time so it's not just like you're not just stressed out that this thing you thought you should be able to do you can't do it's like seven layers of hell (laughs) because like all these different things are happening, right? You're exhausted. The baby will not stop crying. You're convinced you're doing it wrong. Your partner can't help you. How could they help you? They don't know what's happening. Like they don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So you are just like completely alone. And because there's all this stuff in the media, you're terrified to like reach out on a forum or ask your doctor or admit to your big sister that you think you're doing it wrong because she never said that she had problems with it. She did it so easily, right? Because no one's talking about
0: it. I've seen um all isolated. Yeah. And you know, from what I know, I've seen like things about mom groups on Facebook and stuff, and they can be quite intense for a lot of different reasons. Like I don't know if that's always the best yeah. peer support to reach out to and get help.
1: I think it's getting better. I really believe that it's getting better, and I hope it is. Like if I ever become a mom and I join a mom group, hopefully it's better than it was like 10 years ago or five years ago. I saw a thing on TikTok, I'm also on TikTok, and because <laughs> The algorithm is so smart <laughs> it's like oh she's definitely pregnant <laughs> not pregnant um but i saw somebody stitched a video and the original video was somebody saying something that you would imagine seeing on a mom group like oh you're breastfeeding or like oh you bottle feed and somebody stitched it and then they looked like they were definitely younger than me i'd say like early 20s and she was like oh oh no, we don't do that anymore. Like you must be from an older generation or like a different generation of moms. And I am so sorry that you had to go through that. And I am so sorry that people shamed you, but like that is not something we do anymore. Like that is not a thing moms do anymore. And I was like, oh, please let this be true. Yeah. <laughs> like, please let this be
0: true. <laughs> it's, I mean, Gen Z, they make me sad because they trip me for being old and I don't want to be old. But at the same time, they're the way they're growing up and being connected digitally and and socially like they are and having access to all this information that even we're not that old and we didn't have until much older but just you know not only for birth but for you know equal rights uh, yeah all the stuff that they're just inclusivity exactly living their life with I'm like I do have some hope I'm like oh okay I know
1: it's like a light
0: (laughs) this is good like there was uh there was a story I read, I think it was in the New York Times, but uh, do you know who Jojo Siwa is? And this is totally yes. off topic, but. Yes, so I do actually, the, the bow. Yeah, so she, I guess, came out or kind of started publicly stating that she's in the LGBTQ Oh, yes, yes, community I actually did community. see this
1: on TikTok. <laughs> and
0: someone's, yeah, and someone was kind of like mentioned, like, I will never let my daughters, like, listen to you again. And all she replied with is like, okay. Like, yeah. I just, I love that energy where it's just like, you, what, what that person you were just referencing said where it's like we don't do that anymore like no. okay bye sorry this happened but like we're yeah. coming in here and we're gonna live a happy life and yeah. do just do do our thing it's and
1: just such a waste of energy it always makes me think of a commercial that i saw which like i have no idea what it was for let's just say it was for huggies it would have been when i was in high school it would have been like over a decade ago um but it was a bunch of parents at a park and it was like they each had their own little group and it was like that old like western like like a fight's about to happen kind of music so it was like oh you're the stay-at-home moms and then it was like oh you're the working moms oh you're the stay-at-home dads oh you're the gay dads and it was like all these different packs of all these different types of parents like oh you're the nannies oh you're the, the whatever and as this whole fight was happening and they were all getting in their groups and they were all about to fight somebody accidentally lets go of their stroller and the baby starts to go down the hill in the stroller and everybody stops and everyone just chases down the stroller they catch it they get the baby out they're patting the baby and everyone's hugging and then they all kind of stop and they're like oh yeah that was really stupid like the mm. most important thing is that the baby's safe
0: That's and real, that always stuck with me
1: i was like <laughs> yeah i was like that is so true <laughs> like who cares what the other person's opinion is, is yeah happy and the baby's healthy we're good we're raising them to like be more inclusive and like like each other and love each other no matter what and like be respectful then who cares a kindergarten teacher is never gonna know if you had cloth diapers or disposable diapers they're not gonna know if you were breastfed or if you're bottle fed like they're gonna know if somebody falls down and your kid runs over and tries to make sure that they're okay They're going to notice that they're going to be like "Mm, good parents (laughs) but they're not going to care if you like slept with your mom until you were three or if you were in your own crib at six weeks
0: right yeah yeah and and when you put it that way it's like yeah (laughs) that makes a lot of sense
1: yeah Um, like i don't they don't ask in harvard
0: like right yeah um, when you're filling out a job on your resume like I really important to
1: us that you were breastfed and that your mom didn't get enough girl
0: (laughs) exactly Um, I do want to, so the same question, but to uh, the birth givers partner, uh, wh- whether, whatever their, their sexual orientation might be, but mm-hmm. what are some of the things, because we referenced it a lot, they're not the ones going through this, this process necessarily and are as intimately. What are some of the things like? you're, besides listening to your podcast, of course, what are some of the things that, you know, you're, you're helping them with and and those top three things that you're like, okay, this is like, let's go. This
1: mm-hmm. is- I think again, like, you can do this <laughs> is really important, um, but more so than just the labor. Like, I always think that the person, again, because they're not um, making the baby in their body, um, they're a little bit more tentative, like with the actual baby. If they're a little mm. bit afraid they're going to break the baby. I had one dad who I think it was like in his mid-30s. Like, he, was a, he worked in the healthcare industry. He was like a really well-educated guy. was like 6'3 and baby girl was born everything was great we were doing awesome the nurses took the mom to have like her first shower and to help her in the restroom so it was just me baby girl and the dad and the dad was holding her and like I was bringing juice to his mouth so that he could drink from a straw and I put that down and he said um could you hold her head so that I could move my hand and I was like your hand is the size of her whole body (laughs) (laughs) you are fine I did it I was like of course and like I came and helped him shift but I was like you just need to be confident that like you are not going to break her <laughs> you can absolutely hold her in one hand <laughs> so you don't need three hands to hold her <laughs> right so just giving them the confidence that like you're not going to break the baby you're already doing such a good job you can do this um I do think it's important to cover the things that could happen because um yeah like if a c-section happens it can be pretty scary watching somebody be taken away um and like just for example so if, if there's a c-section you actually would be separated for a moment the mom would go and get prepped and in a c-section so many people don't know this moms are actually tied down to the table like in a teeth oh. um, because there's a reflex well you wouldn't be in pain you'd be medicated um when they remove the baby like from the incision so from your uterus um your hands would want to go like that so they have to make sure that that's not going to happen so like partners should be aware that once they put on their scrubs and they do all the hand washing and they come in and their wife is medicated and all of that that she's going to be tied down so just giving them like a little bit of a heads up of things that could happen and then i actually think one of the biggest things that partners should know going in is um to like you're not allowed to take anything personal like you just have to take it on the chin and keep going Um, because in labor especially if somebody is um, non-medicated but in any situation in any labor um, a woman's prefrontal cortex will actually start to shut down a little bit and so she won't really have any inhibitions anymore which is great because then if like she needs to make like real guttural noises to like get through it she's not going to be embarrassed about that Mm -hmm. But you want to keep her in that state you don't want to bring her out of it because it helps her deal with the pain so one of like the really important things to remember is if you're trying to help and she's being really mean to you you have to just try something else so the example i always give is let's say we're in transition which is like the peak point of um sensation i'm trying not to say pain but the, the most painful part mm-hmm. of labor is transition um and you're doing everything that you can to help you guys have already been at this for like 15 hours you are tired you are sweaty you are hungry um and you have been doing everything that you can to help her and she doesn't seem overly like appreciative well like get over it she's not gonna be appreciative okay but the let's say you have like a cold cloth and you're putting it on her neck and you're like i'm being the best partner ever like look at me and what she wants to say is honey, thank you so much for being here and for doing all that you've been doing all day. It's wonderful. And I really appreciate that you think that that cold cloth on the back of my neck is nice. But what's happening is you're putting it on my neck and then one drip every single time you're doing it is going down my back and into my butt crack and making me so very uncomfortable. Could you please stop and try something else? She has no ability. There are no words left to be able to say that. So what she will say is, fuck off. And you'll be like, I was just trying to help. <laughs> like, get over it. You just have to get over it. And you know what you do? Put that cloth down and put one on her forehead instead. Or, like, fan her or bring water to her mouth. And if she doesn't want water, you know what she's going to do? She's going to hit it away. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to go get ice and bring that to her mouth instead. Like, you just can't take it personally. With my best friend, uh, the father had actually arrived at this point. So I was back in doula mode. I, um... I had to do something I can't remember what I had to do but it led me to then sanitize my hands before I came back to her bedside I did that Whatever I was doing probably something for her that was super nice because I'm awesome <laughs> I came back with the hand sanitizer and she was like what is that smell I'm going to vomit and I was like it's me and like I had to like run out of the room and wash with just soap paper towel and come back and I was like are we good now and she was like yes didn't say thank you I wasn't expecting a thank you, but I think that that's important. Birth partners should, like, it's not her. It's, this is a thankless thing that you're doing. She might say thank you later, but you just be prepared. Like she's gonna slap at you. She's gonna swear at you. She's going to blame you (laughs) and that's your role. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh I'm laughing because that would totally be me as a partner thinking I'm like being super helpful and like I was sitting yeah. there like like crying laughing because yeah be like oh just let me just thinking of like my future partner would be like
1: <laughs> yeah
0: so I think that like if you don't know that going
1: in you could be like so offended <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like remember this... like my friend's partner coming in like she was already in that stage so he had kind of missed her getting to that point and then just walked in and she was already there and he was like oh
0: the, I've heard so many stories like my parents even have one of I think I was when I was being born and my dad doing something stupid that he thought was helpful gave her like uh I think it was I wish I remember the story I think he like gave her like a reader's digest or started reading the reader's digest to her and her like freaking out uh so yeah it's I don't, like I don't know how funny it would be in the moment but just like thinking about it and you see it on the movies and it's just funny later
1: but <laughs> it's only funny if you don't take it personally like you just can't take it personally I remember a friend of ours um I'm not gonna say the swear word mm. because so many people hate it but she called one of the nurses a horrible word which I mm. think is hilarious but other people don't Um, and after her husband was like, I think you should say sorry to that lady, and she did. And the woman, like, laughed in her face and was like, You have no idea how many times I get called that. It's absolutely fine.
0: Oh, like a girl's like, Jesus, what a
1: hard job! You get called that every day. Oh my god, (laughs) it's fine.
0: Oh, (laughs) you have a happy, healthy baby, absolutely. Um,
1: that's not encouraging people to like abuse healthcare staff, by the way, of course. Yeah, it's just
0: funny to. I mean, yeah, you do have to get in this mindset that these things could happen. You're right. I think it is important that people understand.
1: I really think that's a big one for partners to understand. Like it's it's, a part of her brain has actually started to shut down and you want it to stay shut down. So you don't correct her when she's doing stuff or like definitely don't make her feel weird. If like the moaning noise she's making is like, don't giggle at her, like do it with her because you want that to stay shut down that protects her
0: right okay so saying push or uh like whatever that's maybe maybe not be the best part so that in movies a uh, lot too <laughs> so
1: yeah that totally depends on like the zone that you get into because um women will kind of get into like a ritual and a zone if you are going to give any advice during that pushing stage because again in movies i mean that's like what four minutes
0: pushing yeah it
1: last for three hours
0: like that what terrifies me. Like when yeah, you just said labor be, for 15 hours, I'm like.
1: Oh. Pushing could be from like 15 minutes to three hours. Pushing could be a really long time um, because what's happening is the baby's head is like coming out and then going back in and coming out and going back in. It's like two steps forward, one step back. It's like the baby cha-cha because it's trying to help stretch the tissue without ripping the tissue. It's like, you want it to do that. It's better yeah, but, for the oof. body. Um <laughs> But I think people think it's really quick, and it's not. So if the healthcare providers or the nurses have instructed the partner, um, like the person birthing, to like hold their breath a certain way, or which you shouldn't do, or um, hold their body a certain way, or breathe a certain way, you can repeat what the nurse has said. But I wouldn't just like repeat your own thing to her. <laughs> like, push harder, don't right. do that. <laughs> but if the nurse has said something that you thought was helpful, you can repeat what the nurse has said um dads you might be asked or partners you might be asked to like hold a leg and help that's you should know that you literally might get called in to physically do something to help (laughs) um I feel like I've rambled and I forgot the original question
0: that's okay pushing (laughs) yeah that's all good but I did want to add so when you you're talking to women and people who are giving birth like do you prefer Prepare them for like the things that can happen in a sense of because like I've heard wild things uh, that like happens to your body while this is all happening and some of them are kind of gross some of them are kind of funny in a way like do you kind of like go through that are those common things that might happen
1: Um, we'll talk about some stuff but a lot of that stuff most women will have already like googled and like looked stuff up yeah so most of the time it's more they're asking me things and I can like yay or nay it like that's a lie that's not going to happen to you or like yeah that's going to happen to you and it happens to every single woman and nobody cares
0: okay I have two questions and I've waited to the end of the podcast to ask them because <laughs> if people are still here they're very interested in the birthing process so <laughs> one thing I heard is most women like shit the bed after because yeah. you're pushing and stuff and that's like quite common
1: yeah um definitely because um, the muscles that you're using to push out a baby are actually the same muscles that you'd use for a bowel movement. Like you're not pushing out of your vagina. You're pushing out of your bum. Like you'll even hear women say like they'll panic. They'll be like, the baby's in my bum. Like the baby is in the wrong place. Like that's usually the feeling. They'll be like, I have to poo. It's not the baby. I have to poo. And you're like, no, it's the baby. <laughs> Just exactly where the baby is. Um, But one of the things that your body does not early labor is it might make you vomit and it might make you have like raging diarrhea. And it's because it's trying to empty out everything Hmm. so that you can bear down without anything else happening. And the only thing that'll come out is the baby. But yes, um, that happens all the time that if you didn't get everything out in the beginning, that it'll still be in there because you're using those muscles to push a baby out. Um, I've been in, Four labors at this point, and it happens so quick, and the nurses clean it up so quick. They're so good at their jobs, like they are angels. I don't even know if like the other parent even realized it happened,
0: right? Because
1: there's there's amniotic fluid and there's blood and there's all these different things, so you don't know why those sheets are being taken away and other sheets are being put in there. You have no idea. You might know, but it's really like the last thing on anyone's mind, and uh, no one cares. Yeah. After I didn't think so, but
0: I remember being 16 and like figuring that out. It's like, Whoa, but it totally yeah. makes sense. And yeah, I feel like people think
1: it's a huge deal, but trust me at the point where you would be pooping, the baby is so close to being there. Even the person pooping wouldn't care. Like they wouldn't even be embarrassed. They'd be like, just get the baby out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I'll skip the last question. Uh, That kind of answered it for me anyway. So, Um, I mean, this was really great. I learned a lot and now um, I'm totally being removed from any of this. But uh, if people, you know, they want to listen to your podcast, are you on social? Do you have a website? How can they get in contact to like book your services?
1: Yeah. So I'm ainsleyk.rmt.doula on Instagram. And from there, you can kind of find everything. Um, But I also have a website where you can like book a massage or contact me for doula stuff. And the podcast is also linked through that website. which is just, again, RMT Um Yeah, I think those are like the main, I mean, there's not a ton of Ainsleys. Like type in Ainsley and you'll find me on anything.
0: Yeah, it's true. Right? That's a, a very, you got a unique name. Whereas Ryan, it's yeah. like, you try to type in Ryan. It's like, <laughs> um, well, listen, it was so great to chat with you and, and reconnect and shout out to Mama Heather for uh, yes. getting us back back here um keep up the great work this is really interesting and i I look forward to checking out your podcast uh, especially you know if i ever uh choose to go the parenting route so uh, again (laughs) well, hopefully by
1: that point i'll actually in class and you can
0: take it yeah there you go (laughs) perfect okay thank you thank you
1: (laughs) you take the red pill Stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.